Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, free agency uh, was a wild ride, I would say, for, for, for us Eagles fans. Um, started off with a lot of excitement, some some uh, brought back some good players, but then it ended with uh, with with a lot of drama. And Shane and I are here to uh, to talk about everything that went down in legal tampering, free agency, uh, and so on and so forth. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social platforms over at the Philly Pod. Be sure to subscribe to uh, BGN Radio so you don't miss any of the shows that uh, are on this feed on a daily basis between uh, Shane. I know he does draft shows and he's up and down the feed, uh, the EPA show, and uh, I know the uh, Behind Enemy Lines and NFC's mixtape and all that stuff is going on. So be sure to uh, subscribe so you don't miss any of the content throughout the offseason. Joined, as always, by my faithful co-host. You can follow him on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL, he is Shane Half. You've seen him on YouTube. You've seen him up and down the uh, the Twitter sphere. I saw him getting some love uh, from some listeners and fans alike that have uh, gotten to know Shane a little better since he's been on BGN. So always good to see uh, fellow creators get the recognition they deserve because Shane is one of the good ones that pours in the hours, pours in the time to try and help Eagles fans and NFL fans understand the game a little better. So Shane, good to see you uh, starting to get the flowers that you uh, that you deserve. <laughs> yeah, it's always that's always a fun thing to wake up to. So. Uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, obviously, the listeners are what makes it fun because without the listeners, you and I are just with a, hit, sitting here with a microphone screaming into the void. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's always a always a fun part of the process is just interacting with the viewers and stuff. But uh, Victor, I've got a question for you. I've been trying to oh, figure no. this out. Maybe you can answer it for me. Uh, is Darius Slay an eagle? <laughs> we spent like three. We spent like three days going back and forth. Darius Slay is going to be cut. Dare no Darius Slay still here. That was a wild ride uh, over the course of 48 hours. And uh, we'll talk about what happened and all that. But it's been an interesting free agency period for the Eagles, to say the least. Yeah, uh, we knew it was going to be an eventful one, probably a lot more drama than we <laughs> than we uh, anticipated, especially with Darius Slay and CJ Garner Johnson and 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 all that stuff. So certainly um the Slay was was a we we thought one of the players that would for sure be back is Darius Slay, um, considering his contract situation, and then the fact that we almost lost him in the mix, uh, certainly not not a fun time period. And we'll talk about if the Eagles made the right decisions, did they bring back the right guys, and all that stuff. So first, uh, of course, we have a lot a lot to get through as far as free agency is concerned. We'll start here with the players that uh, the Eagles were not able to bring back, and then get into some of the players that will be here as far as uh, re-signings and new faces. That will be on this team, at least in training camp, maybe maybe not on the roster, but training camp, at least in the in the summertime. So, Shane, we'll start with the uh, with the fresh story since it's fresh in everybody's minds and the, the most talked about one over the last week. C.J. Gardner Johnson. Uh, Shane, I don't know how you feel. Well, I kind of know because we talked about it leading up to it. Uh, but C.J. was one of the players 
that I know I've been on the record saying numerous times that if, if anybody is going to be brought back amongst these free agents, it's going to be C.J. Gardner-Johnson, 25 years old, led the league in interceptions. The Eagles took a flyer on him when they traded for him, brought him in to play a new position, and he was productive at that position uh, for, for the Philadelphia Eagles, and it made a lot of sense to bring him back. And then we get into the uh, to the contract and all that stuff now. Now, reportedly, and I was able to gather a, l- a little bit of information, and it's all been reported by multiple outlets to this point, so this isn't anything new, that the Eagles made C.J. Gardner-Johnson a priority at the beginning of free agency. One of the first few people they drew up deals for presented Gardner-Johnson with an offer, to my knowledge, was rough, roughly around $12, $12 million, uh, in terms of AAV. I don't know like the, how it was structured. I know we saw the reports of like the backloaded 17 million. I've never seen an NFL contract structured in that way. So I don't think that's accurate to whatever CJ's agency decided to tweet. We'll talk about if that was ever a right decision to go down that path and ask the fans if, if, if we took the right deal or not. Um, but the initial deal, um, to my knowledge, was around 12 million AAV. Um, CJ Garner Johnson thought that he was worth the Jesse Bates money. He was looking to get that type of money. The market felt differently. We all saw that the guys like Jordan Poyer and all these other guys were getting deals of of not even close to, to to what we've seen past safeties get on the market. So he goes out, tries to get another deal. That deal doesn't come to fruition. And then by that point, the, the Eagles couldn't sit around. They couldn't wait. They allocated resources elsewhere. They brought back Fletcher Cox, brought back Bannon Graham. They signed James Bradbury. They restructured Darius Slay. By the time CJ comes back, that money isn't there anymore. And then CJ, I, I assume, is a prideful. He comes off as a prideful individual. Didn't want to come crawling back to the Eagles. Takes another one-year deal elsewhere, that being the Detroit Lions. And after a year where he kind of proved it, he has to prove it again. <laughs> Albeit this time not without two all-pro corners in front of him, not with a defense that had a record-setting 70 sacks. And now teams will get a good look at him and see if he can replicate that kind of production with a not-as-great defense in front of him. We'll see what happens. So at the end of the day, the Eagles aren't able to bring back C.J. Garner-Johnson, Kayvon Wallace, and Reed Blankenship are starting safeties as of as of this recording, and we'll see what other moves that they decide to make there. So Shane, your takeaways from this whole saga, from the initial contract offer, I don't think the Eagles even attempted to match it, despite what some of the reports say. I think by then they had already moved on. It's over. It's done with. We don't really care at this point. Um, we tried to bring you back. You didn't want it. This is this is where we're at. Um, so is it is this a guy that, regardless of anything, the Eagles should have worked diligently to try to bring back, or are you? Are you, I don't want to say happy with the outcome, but are you content with the way this thing kind of played out? Yeah, I think, I mean, you you go back to the beginning and the reports are that the Eagles made it offer a multi-year deal. So Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was their priority to bring back in free agency uh, as you thought he should be. Uh, I, I wanted Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back, but it becomes pretty clear that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson wants Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, Jesse Bates money. And I just don't think he's in that tier of safety. I think he's in that next tier below. And I wouldn't want to pay him $16 million a year or whatever it was that he was after. And so um, as is his right, he says, I think I'm worth more than that. We're going to go mm-hmm. to the market and see what we can do. And I think he and his representation misread the market by a lot. And by the time it's all said and done, he ends up taking a deal for one year, 8 million with the lions, which is a little less than what the Eagles offered average annual value. Now, obviously he can hit the market again next year. Whereas with the Eagles, he couldn't have Uh, on that contract structure thing. That's first of all, if you're an (laughs) aspiring sports agent out there and you're contemplating getting on Twitter and tweeting, negotiating details, don't, 
but if you start to do that and you get to the end of your tweet and you're about to type mic drop and put a microphone emoji, yeah. just catch yourself and be like, this is not a good idea. Like uh, very unprofessional, um, very uh, misleading because I think what they probably did was they were tweeting the cap hit because, you know, we'll look at some other contracts and how, uh, for example, you look at like the James Bradbury deal and his cap number is 3 million, 4 million, 8 million, 22 million. That doesn't matter to James Bradbury. That's accounting tricks. He's getting paid a certain amount each year, most of it up front. And I think that's likely what was the outcome with Chauncey Gardner Johnson. It was probably a largely front loaded deal through signing bonuses and the cap hit would come later. And so I think they were misrepresenting that. Um, and at the end of the day, when you turn that down and you test the market, the Eagles are also going to pivot and they go to secure James Bradbury. And now all of a sudden there's not, I don't, I won't say there's not the money they could have worked something out, but there's a combination of you've committed a lot to the secondary already. And there's maybe some bridges burned at that point. So I think the Eagles handled it the right way. Um, I think obviously Chauncey Gardner Johnson's agents did not handle it the right way. And they all misread the market as we did. I mean, I didn't think that he would sign for 8 million a year. I was talking like, 12 13 million is where i would be iffy about wanting to bring him back at that and obviously the league didn't think he was worth close to that yeah and interestingly enough i'm um, in addition to the agency uh uh tweeting what the, what, what they did uh, i'll tell you shane since we're since we're on the show so the, the numbers that i had tweeted out that i i had gotten information for about his his the initial offer of the 12 million uh of value um the agency like apparently caught wind of that. I don't know if somebody sent it to him or they just saw it or what, what a case was. They decided to DM me and they said, um, we'll keep the facts to ourselves or, some, or something like that. I, or I can, I can, I can read it verbatim real quick. But the fact that they, number one had had to feel as though they had to DM some person. They don't even know that, that, that had the potential contract details and they felt slighted enough to be this, this isn't real. And then to the point where you know that you misread the market and the uh, and and the deal that you were able to secure your client wasn't one that you thought you would be able to get throughout the season that you had to go and tweet about it is not. I've never seen an agency do that. Uh, I've never seen an agent agency, whoever the person is. I've never seen that uh, ever in the time that I have been doing work in this industry. So that was new uh, information uh, uh, to me that uh, agencies decide that they can uh, tweet out contract details and ask Twitter if they made the right decision. If you have to second guess it probably wasn't a good decision. So this is this is where we're at. And it's not to say that Detroit is a bad landing spot for him. Aaron Glenn knows him very well. They're an aspiring team in the NFC. Uh, I like to believe uh, a greater chance to win a Super Bowl in this city, I believe, uh, with, with, with the Eagles for obvious reasons. But if his motive is just the money and to get paid and there's not, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with betting on yourself and going out and trying to secure what you're worth, then uh, he can go out and uh, in Detroit and ball out and maybe he'll get, he'll get that contract. I don't know if he's ever going to get Jesse Bates money, but we'll see with the way the uh, the the salary cap inflates every season. I enjoyed CJ while he was here. Um, the rep reports I saw from McLean said the Eagles were wary of how his behavior was going to be once he got paid. Was this a guy we're going to have to worry about moving forward? Is this a guy we're going to have to kind of keep in check? Uh, him calling out Gannon afterwards, like kind of rub people the wrong way and, and, and stuff like that. Do you think any of that had to play into the Eagles' long-term plans for CJ Garner-Johnson? Or is it just like he played a whole year here, never caused any real issues? We would have been able to uh, to figure it out. Do the Eagles come out winners in this situation? I guess it's too early to tell, not knowing who is going to be here really in his place come September. I I don't I don't buy that aspect of it. I think that's a that's either 
the one of two things is happening here. That's either just clickbaity to get people to come and listen to you talk uh, because there was no signs of that while he was here. Uh, the Eagles prioritized him and made him a long-term offer and he didn't take it. So if they were really that concerned about it, they wouldn't have done, you know, they wouldn't have done that. Uh, so I don't buy that aspect of it. So it's either just manufactured clickbait or it's somebody in the Eagles organization uh, feeling spurned and being like, oh yeah, yeah, we were totally concerned about this the whole time. It's like, yeah, th they broke up with me. So now I'm going to tell you all the things that I knew was wrong a long time ago. <laughs> I, I was going to anyway. break up with them too, but they just happened to break up with me first. And so it feels like that if it's actually sourced info, that's what it feels like. And, or, or it's just something clickbaity. I don't really buy that. That was a motivating factor. Yeah, yeah. Who 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 knows if this if the Eagles decided this is this is a problem that's not what it's worth for this X amount of money. But I feel like even if well, I I I don't have a confirmed answer on if the Eagles truthfully match had a chance to match the the Detroit Lions offer. But um, the Burn Bridges thing you mentioned is definitely a uh, a good point. I think by that point, um, CJ didn't want to come crawling back and grovel and say, "Hey, <laughs> misread it. Do you guys still want me back?" And by that time, Howie's probably over it. Like we've already paid the people that actually want to be here. You know. You know, good luck, good luck wherever it is you end up. So that is that. I'm a CJ. He was a very good player on a very exciting team during a very exciting year. Um, but now the Eagles have the work cut out for him to try and replace his production. But let it let it be known that the Eagles did acquire him all of uh, ten days before the season and got very solid production out of him. So perhaps the Eagles feel as though they could fill that void and get decent safety production with a lot of the same pieces in front of him, and we'll go from there. One of the pieces that won't be here. Next season, a guy who accounted for many sacks for the uh, Eagles last season is Javon Hargrave, who goes to the NFC rival San Francisco 49ers, going from the number two defense to the number one defense. And it didn't take him long to adopt uh, the whining over there. He's already on the record saying that the game would have been different if Brock Purdy had played it. So I don't know if this is just initiation. Do you just have to say this to be a 49er? Is this how it's going to be? But Hargrave, a very vital part of that pass rush last season, a very vital part of the defensive line. And uh, I think he's going to be missed. I wouldn't have gave him $20 million at 30 years old, but the 49ers were happy to do so. And I think he'll be a force combined with Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa over in San Francisco, despite, you know, us not liking them very much. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of the cult initiation. Uh, you just <laughs> Definitely is. start saying things, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to take exception with it. What do you, what do you want a guy to say to, they still would have got blown out if their quarterback didn't get hurt. So, I mean, I don't care. I don't care what he says there. I like Javon Hargrave. Uh, I hope they lose every game because it's the 49ers, but I think he's a good player. Uh, I think the 49ers saw the Eagles play them in the postseason, and they lined up and said, which side is Eric Armstead on? Okay. We're going to run away from him. And they decided we have to get better at our second defensive tackle. And so they went out and they paid, Javon Hargrave, a huge contract that I don't think the Eagles should have matched. So, I mean, losing Javon Hargrave sucks. I, I wouldn't have paid that to keep him, though. So I think it was the right move for the Eagles, and ultimately it stinks to see him go to another NFC team, especially one as loaded as the 49ers. But I, I thought the Eagles played that the correct way. Yeah, I think I think so as well. And then they have Jordan Davis waiting in the wings, and they, they Milton Williams, you're the film watcher. So uh, Milton Williams, uh, we, we hear, is coming along came along towards the end of last season so they go i'm sure they'll draft somebody when, when we talk about the draft i'm almost certain one of those first two first round picks are going to go into the trenches uh so so hargrave was very very vital i think he uh, out massively outplayed the last contract the three-year 30 million that the eagles gave him went to san francisco got 20 million and they have eyes on getting back to the nfc championship game so no 
uh, shocker there. Uh, another position that the Eagles are going to have to do some work in, even though N'Kobe Dean is there, and I'm sure they have high aspirations from here, is the linebacker position. T.J. Edwards goes back home to Chicago. Kaiser White joins Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. So, Shane, how big of a loss are I, – I was assuming one of those guys will be back. I assumed it was going to be T.J. Homegrown, um, I thought he would be back. I was almost um, convinced that Kaiser was going to walk, only because N'Kobe kind of does – uh, plays plays you know a similar a similar way to Kaiser and will fill that position. Are you shocked that the Eagles weren't able to retain one of these guys? Are you shocked to see them both go on to new teams? It sounds like uh, with TJ Edwards, he just wanted to be in Chicago. He's from Chicago. Uh, kind of UDFA broke into the league. Wants to he go didn't get play paid for very his... much to go back. You know. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. wants to go play for his home team. What I think he got paid like was it six million a year? It's been a little bit. I can't remember exactly, but. TJ got it, three years, 19 million. So about yeah, yeah. a little over 6.3 million a year. I was surprised the Eagles didn't bring him back at that. To be honest, I probably would have considered it. I don't think TJ, I think Eagles fans overinflate how good TJ Edwards is because he gets a lot of tackles. Uh, but I would have been interested in keeping him at that. Um, when you see what they did with Slay and Bradbury and you sort of understand why they didn't later on. So uh, I am surprised both guys left. I thought they probably would have tried to keep one, but. You know, they're going to presumably have N'Kobe Dean be a starter alongside, I don't know. Uh, so that's a little scary, but, you know, the Eagles, I won't say they're good at getting less out of linebacker because they've been quite atrocious at linebacker for yeah, a long time. Yeah, can't say but, the confidence is there. <laughs> yeah, but TJ Edwards was UDFA, Kazir White was a low-level free agent signing, and so I, I think they'll be they'll be competent at the position. I don't think it's going to be good, but they'll be competent there. Yeah, we'll have to see how how that goes. Nicobe Dean's waiting in the wings. Uh, they signed Nicholas Morrow, who we'll, who we'll talk about a little later. And the rest of these names, I mean, some people like Christian Ellis, and then you got uh, Sean Bradley. You got some uh, some some other names there that we'll take a look into. But yeah, as of right now, it's looking a little shaky. And another position that's looking a little shaky. We already touched on it is the safety position because Marcus Epps goes ahead and signs with the uh, with the Raiders. So as of today, you're starting safeties. If the league was to start tomorrow which it doesn't, but if the year was to start tomorrow, Kayvon Wallace and Reed Blankenship are your starting safety. So Marcus Epps leaves, and now the Eagles have two voids. Well, I guess you could say one since we can assume that Reed will be in one of those positions. But Shane, is Reed ready to be a full-time starter? How concerned should we be on the back end of this secondary? They, they return their premier corners, which, which is great, but uh, how concerned should we be on the back end in Sean Desai's new defense? I think I think Blankenship will be okay. He's in the same place that Marcus Epps was a year ago where he had played a little bit and he flashed and you just wonder if he can sustain that across volume and we're going to find that out. Marcus Epps was able to hopefully Reed Blankenship will be able to as well, but there's no denying that safety is a hole and besides starting safety being a hole, there's absolutely no depth. And so uh, the Eagles like safeties with corner background. Josiah Scott's cross-trained at safety. Avante Maddox played safety his rookie season. Uh, so you maybe they mess around with something like that as well. But I, I do expect them to make moves at safety, probably both in free agency and through the draft. Yeah, yeah they're going to have to. Uh, Brian Branch is a, is a popular name, and there's some other names that are uh, uh, going around in the draft as potential fits. For the uh, for for the Philadelphia Eagles, so we're gonna have to keep an eye on that position. It's a little shaky. There's definitely uh, worry. The wor the worry that's across Eagles fans right now is warranted. So let's all hope that they can they can figure out what's going to uh, to happen at that position. 
Now, the name that was lost on the offensive side of the ball, a move that we all figured was coming, especially after Rashad Penny was signed, was Miles Sanders going to the Carolina Panthers on about a four year, uh, four years worth of $25 million, so just a bit over $6 million a year. Some fans are upset that we didn't bring him back at that price, uh, but we all know the way the Eagles roll. We know how Howie Roseman rolls. He quickly found a replacement at much, much cheaper in Rashad Penny if he can stay upright. We'll talk about him uh, a, a little later on. But, um, Shane, not a whole lot to talk about this move. We saw it coming. We knew it was going to happen, but it still hits kind of a soft spot, especially since we saw Miles kind of grow up here. Finally got his thousand yard season last year, disappeared in the Super Bowl. And um, that is pretty much the, uh, you know, that signifies how his career kind of went or his tenure in, in Philadelphia. But uh, kind of sad to see him go uh, all the same, even though it was expected. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been preparing myself for Miles Sanders to leave for two years because I <laughs> knew the years. Eagles knew the Eagles wouldn't pay him. Um, so uh, he was a fun player, albeit a frustrating player at times to watch. Uh I think he's going to fit well in Carolina. I really like what Carolina's doing, by the way, this offseason, which this isn't a Panthers podcast, but they're putting the right pieces in place for their rookie quarterback. Uh, the Eagles were never going to sign Miles Sanders to a four-year deal worth over $6 million a year. It just wasn't going to happen. So, uh, And I was really pleased. We'll get into Rashad Penny, but I was really pleased with the replacement they brought in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very... Uh... Uh, that's very boomer bust. So we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about him uh, later on and, and the kind of uh, impact that he may have behind this uh, this uh, offensive line. So Miles, yeah, we all been been protected from it. His deal with Carolina is four years, twenty five point four million. He got thirteen million guaranteed, five point nine signing bonus, uh, and guaranteed roster bonus of two million. So uh, go get paid in Carolina. He reunites with uh, is Deuce. It's Deuce over there, right? Deuce Daly. In yeah, I think Deuce is there and. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think he is there. I think he is. I think there. He, he's he's running back coach slash like assistant offensive designer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So let's go a real night with him over there, and that's a that's that's a uh, that's a, that's a good deal for him. And then the entire Eagles uh, backfield is currently cheaper than Miles's new contract. So <laughs> that tells you kind of how Howie uh, uh, thinks about his running back room and where the value is in the offense. The 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 uh, the system relies on the offensive line, not the runners behind it. So it made sense that they would move on from Miles Sanders, despite his best efforts to try and uh, not beg his way back, but he was on Instagram voicing his desire to remain in Philadelphia. But we knew how that was going going to shake out. Uh, one more guy that left and went elsewhere, another move we, we all expected, because number one, he doesn't really fit systematically uh, what the Eagles do. And number two, just because we know his desire is to start somewhere else, QB Gardner Minshew going to the uh, Indianapolis Colts with Shane Steichen on a one-year deal worth $3.5 million. Uh, so probably would have gotten more if he won one of those two games to clinch <laughs> to clinch a playoff berth. Jalen Hurts had to come back in the final week to to, to wrap it up. Uh, dumb 30 points on the Cowboys, a little good in that, and then just a very pitiful showing against the Saints. And if you win that game, the Eagles are probably sitting at the seventh overall pick right now instead of 10th, uh, and, and Jalen Hurts doesn't have to come in that final game. Gardner Minshew goes 0-2 in his two games. He started for Philadelphia this year, probably uh, dampened his his asking price a little bit, but he goes to the Colts with a chance to start. We all assume they're going to a draft a quarterback. Gardner Minshew says he has no expectations when he goes there, but we know how he was when he kicked the door down after that Jets game, asking what he could do to be a starter. Never caused any issues, never rubbed anybody the wrong way, uh, but we assume that Gardner Minshew is going to uh, at least compete to start and maybe if they draft a guy like Levis or Anthony Richardson or whatever the situation is, it will allow Indianapolis not to have to throw their man into the fire too early. 
Yeah. Um, Gardner Minshew, good riddance. Uh, yeah. I, I was glad we had him as a backup quarterback until Wish I could say play. it was fun. But it was never yeah. fun. So. He's funny. He's got some, <laughs> some funny, funny stories, some good personality. Uh, don't fault a guy for wanting to start. Everybody wants to start. He never caused problems. So um, good teammate by all accounts, all that stuff. And I think he'll get a shot to play in Indianapolis. They're obviously going to have either the third or fourth pick of quarterbacks. And so uh, we'll see how that plays out for them. But I think he lands in a good spot there with Shane Steichen, who knows him. And uh, one year deal, maybe he can play his way into a little better contract next year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He'll probably he'll probably start a handful of games and then uh, get the rookie ready to see uh, what he's all about. So I think that hits on all the Eagles that left. Is there any? Oh, it's Isaac Siamalu, a guy that okay. So we knew, we knew, we knew that uh, heading into free agency that he was going to be a guy that probably wasn't brought back because he draft Cam Jurgens. He was never going to sit for two full seasons. And once Kelsey came back, I was like, all right, Jurgens is probably going to be starting at that guard spot. And uh, I know uh, mock drafts have the Eagles also taking a guard and we'll, we'll get into all that, all that later. But Isaac was very good, even though he was banged up a little bit, only played a few games, uh, missed significant time over the last two seasons, but was fully healthy last season, had a good bounce back year. And often I feel like he was under, I feel like he didn't exactly get all the credit that he deserved mainly because he's in between two, uh, you know, future hall of famers. So that will definitely uh, uh, contribute to it. But then he goes to Pittsburgh and uh, he'll try to help out in protecting uh, Kenny Pickett over there. But I have nothing but good things to say about Isaac. I think he was uh, a very good player during his tenure here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think Isaac Sayamalo is completely underappreciated by Eagles fans. Uh, I think what sticks in their mind is, I can't remember who it was that just abused him early one season, got like three sacks, and then he got benched. And that's like the permanent perception of Eagles fans of Isaac Sayamalo, but he came back off of that and he became a very good player, very quality starter, above average offensive guard who just happens to play between two Hall of Famers. And so he doesn't quite get his flowers there. Um, the Honest NFL account on Twitter, which you guys should follow if you don't, uh, obviously has some insight into the Eagles building, uh, whomever he is, <laughs> talked about how Isaac Sayamalo is one of the most cerebral offensive linemen that he's been around and that he doesn't get all the credit for it because Jason Kelsey is probably the most cerebral instinctual guy. But uh, I thought the longer he stayed on the market, maybe there just wasn't a market and he might end up back in Philly, but he ends up in Pittsburgh for one year, 8 million. Uh, I thought he would get a bigger deal than that. I'm not surprised the Eagles let him go for that, but he is a good player and I think he's going to be good in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good get for uh, uh, for Pittsburgh and uh, Isaac. Was when you're a part of the most dominant offensive line of football, you're gonna get, you're gonna get uh, uh, scooped up by one of these other teams. So definitely good uh, for for Isaac to go ahead and get paid. And he said his farewell today that it was the uh, you know the best time of his life over here and uh, in Philly getting to play with these guys. So uh, good 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 thing for Isaac to go ahead and go to Pittsburgh get paid and now uh, contribute to protecting. Um, Kenny Pickett. Now, as far as Cam Jurgens is concerned, do you have uh, how, how do you feel about him sliding into the uh, offensive line as a guard? And people always like to say like the Eagles need to get younger and this and that. They're attempt they've been attempting to prepare for some of these departures. They drafted Landon Dickerson to be the heir to Jason Kelsey. Then then he stuck around, and now Dickerson's a Pro Bowl a Pro Bowler along the offensive line. Then they drafted Cam Jurgens and said, "Let's prepare in case he retires next year." 
Kelsey's back for another year. Now we're going to have to slide this guy up into potentially another uh, another position. So how do you feel about Cam Jurgens potentially being uh, a part of that starting offensive line in 2023? I don't know about him being a right guard. Mm. Uh, everything profiled as him only a center prospect, which yeah. I liked the player, but that was my problem with the Eagles drafting him when they did. Because if you don't know that Kelsey's leaving, you really don't want to spend a second round pick on a guy that's going to sit for the first two years, especially at center, which is a kind of a plug and play position. So I think they will cross train him at right guard. I also don't think taking a right guard in the draft is out of the realm of possibility or even taking an offensive tackle to be the future Lane Johnson replacement, but can play right guard now. So I think people are jumping a little bit to conclusions that he's just going to be able to plug in at right guard. I'm not so sure. Uh, I trust Jeff Stoutland, of course, and, uh, hopefully that works out, but we'll see. I, I'm I'm cautious on that. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember if there was any guard versatility there, and I I remember when um looking into him, and obviously when he got drafted, that you know to 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 your point, only projected as a as a center. So when you have Jeff Stoutland there, and you have the offensive track record that that the Eagles do, then you don't worry too much about it. And he's showed great uh, flashes of what he could do when he played in. Uh, we saw him in the preseason last year at center. Um, if he can have some of those traits as guard as well, then I'm all about it. But I definitely think they'll look into the draft for some depth because they're going to need it there. Uh, another offensive lineman, the Eagles lost Andre Dillard. I remember when I see, saw the signing that I almost forgot that he was on the team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a, a guy who was drafted to be the starting left tackle, my lot obviously beat him out. But he developed into a, a serviceable player. I think if he had to step in, nobody was entirely worried about Andre Dillard coming into this offensive uh line and, and and producing he gets a three-year deal for 29 million with the uh with the titans so good good get for them uh any favorite memories of Andre Dillard? i remember him getting uh you know decimated in uh <laughs> in training camp a few times um getting thrown to the ground and 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 it was a was a rough start for Andre Dillard, but i think he came on towards the end of his career and now he has a chance to go ahead and start and kind of live up to that first round pedigree over in tennessee yeah uh before I do that, it was um, Grady Jarrett who destroyed Isaac Samalo yeah. for the Falcons. I, it was bothering me. I couldn't remember who that was. Uh, Andre Dillard, I think if Jordan Maialata didn't happen, Andre Dillard would probably still be in Philadelphia. I think he is a decent player who got caught in those crosshairs. He struggled early in his career. I do think he's going to probably be okay uh, as he kind of developed. We all know he needed to. There were some mental... Uh, fortitude concerns especially when it came to the idea of switching to the right side but I think as a left tackle I think he's going to be fine I don't think he's going to be like a top top 12 guy but I think he's going to be a perfectly fine starter for Tennessee yeah I think so I think so as well um I think that uh like I said if he had to come in and play for the Eagles nobody was entirely worried about it and uh he got over kind of some of those uh, beginning woes that were in the beginning of the year over you know he had high expectations to come in and be the starting left tackle and then my lot of did did what he did, but I think he'll he'll be just fine in uh in Tennessee. And uh, the final Eagle, as far as we know to this point, as of this recording, moving on to another team is wide receiver Zach Pascal, signs a two-year deal uh with Arizona. You said 1.05 million dollars he gets he gets yeah, over basically there. the vet minimum. Yeah, the vet minimum. So the the, the skinny with uh Pascal is that he was brought in before AJ Brown, right? Brought in to help kind of uh contribute to this wide receiver core. I remember when we initially did the signing everyone was like man it's gonna be smitty and zach pascal and quiz Watkins trying to figure this thing out and then they uh make the trade for uh for for aj brown so while zach pascal did the dirty work i feel like he made a lot of concepts work he definitely 
uh, had a, had a played a vital piece in the production of the Eagles offense this year. But um, I don't know, Shane, of any wide receiver who's going to be content with being like a WR4, WR5 on a, on the depth chart and not getting as many targets as some of these other guys. So it doesn't shock me that he wants to go to Arizona and perhaps compete for a larger role as far as a pass catcher goes in that offense. But nothing but good things to say about Zach Pascal. I liked uh, uh, some of the things he did while he was in this offense. I'm actually kind of shocked that Sirianni, uh, you know, allowed him out of the building. But uh, <laughs> this is this is where we're at when you have Devontae Smith and uh, A.J. Brown entrenched as your top two guys. Not really much room for advancement uh, if, you, if you stayed in Philly. So, Yeah, wide receiver, a very underrated need for the Eagles. Um, obviously, you've got A.J. Brown, who has notoriously been banged up throughout his career, and he was banged up last year. He was able to play through most of it. And then you have Devontae Smith, who everyone was worried about his size coming into the league, and he's been healthy for two years. But, you know, you're still playing with fire a little bit there. He he ended the year in a walking boot, didn't he? Ended the Super Bowl in a walking boot, so there you go. So you're potentially a snap away from losing two guys that there's concerns about there. Let me read you the Eagles wide receiver depth chart behind those two guys. You got a uh, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward, Britton Covey, Devin Allen, and Tyree Cleveland. And I don't even know who Tyree Cleveland is. I've never heard his name before. So uh, Eagles playing with fire at wide receiver right now. They're very, two very talented receivers, nothing behind it. And I do think you're going to see that addressed in the draft. I think they're going to bring some receivers into this building, into this room, uh, just to help flesh that out because it's very abnormal. And it's the same way at corner, by the way, two really good corners, not a lot behind that. And it's very rare that you're going to keep two 30 plus year old corners healthy and keep an injury prone wide receiver and such a small wide receiver healthy. The Eagles were very lucky last year with injuries. Uh, They were very top heavy roster and they do need to flesh that out a little bit this season. Hey, we don't get uh, Deion Kane love. No, no Deion Kane. Is he still still hanging around? Not on the roster? No. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. He's not listed on the ESPN depth chart. So oh, he man. Probably practice squad. Like a, practice yeah, squad. probably. Which there's <laughs> technically not a practice squad, so he's probably on the roster, but I honestly don't know. <laughs> hey, he was pretty good in the in the, in the the preseason. But yeah, to your point, top heavy. You're not going to get the same uh, luck with as far as health is concerned. Uh, uh, next season, we'll talk about some of the guys who are going to desperately need it. <laughs> come come 2023 so that about summarizes the guys that uh all but left the team zach pascal isaac siamalu cj garner johnson gardner Minshew, miles sanders kaiser white marcus epps andre dillard javon hargrave tj edwards are all guys who won't be a part of this team next season in addition to your coordinators jonathan gannon and shane steichen so uh we can make the argument that uh, they they allowed replaceable pieces to walk. They brought back vital pieces and this and that, but there are some uh, very important guys who won't be here the next season, and you know you can't ignore uh, uh, that fact. Shane, any last words for these guys? It was a fun year, you know, and and I'm definitely going to miss some of these guys. Especially CJ is going to be tough for me. He was one of uh, one of one of the more fun players to watch, even though he's kind of being sour about it now and deleting tweets and whatever the attitude he has now. But he's a guy will miss a guy at a premium position at a young age who we definitely could have extended uh, for the long term. But timing works out kind of with these things, and the timing didn't, uh, didn't entirely work out for the Eagles in this, in this scenario. But who, do you, who would you say you're going to miss the most before we go to break and talk about some, uh, some of the guys you stayed? Yeah, it, it'll be Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, fun player that I liked all the way back to the draft. Wanted the Eagles to draft him when he came out and couldn't believe he fell to the fourth round. 
was ecstatic when the Eagles got him. I think he's a tone setter on the back end of your defense. And for sure. And for all the things I said about about him this season that I stand by, I think people overinflated how good he was because of interceptions and turnover turnovers are largely luck based, being in the right place at the right time. Um he he was still a fun player to watch. He contributed people. It, his personality is epitomized in that last drive in the Super Bowl when the Eagles need the ball back and you get him flying downhill and just plastering Isaiah Pacheco at the line of scrimmage. And uh, that's the kind of player he was reckless abandon. So he was fun to watch play and uh, I, I will miss him. Uh, I wish him most of the best in Detroit until we face off in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun, fun ride for that. So uh, we'll wish him the best, you know, moving forward, him and Eagles fans are kind of going at it, going at it right now, but it's going to be tough because next, next off season, you're a year older, I don't know the probability of you getting six interceptions again. And, you know, you're not like, well, I don't, don't want to say likely not because I think Detroit is ascending, but like a, a Super Bowl team, it's hard. Like if your value isn't that high this time around, what, what makes you think it's going to be higher next year? But maybe the market will be different and we'll see kind of what happens there. Uh, we're going to go to a break real quick. When we come back, we'll talk about the players that the Eagles did resign as well as some of the new faces that we will be seeing in 2023 or at least in training camp <laughs> uh keep it locked right here guys to the uh epa podcast right here on bgn radio we'll be right back with you and we are back here on the epa podcast talking eagles free agency eagles re-signings uh the eagles got busy we talked about the players they lost let's talk about some of the guys they kept and it starts up front with an eagles legend and I honestly could go to either side of the ball here, but I'll talk Jason Kelsey. So the Eagles bring back Jason Kelsey on a one-year deal. Uh, that didn't surprise me. I didn't think that he sounded like a guy that was done. And it turns out he's not. And so I'm super excited that Kelsey's going to be back. I still think he he is arguably the best center in football. Inarguably, he is a top two center in football. And so Having that guy back, especially when you're losing your right guard, I just think that helps out a lot. Yeah, I feel like uh, the way the year ended, uh, that it was all but certain that Jason Kelsey was going to come back. Um, he made it known last offseason that he came back solely for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts makes football fun for him. I want to see where, where this kid is going to go. And as close as they got, the Eagles did last season. I always felt like Jason Kelsey was going to come back and at least give it one more crack to see if they can get back to the big dance and and and, and finish it off. And in 2023, his one-year deal is one uh, for $14.25 million. Now, I think Kelsey deserves a blank check. I mean, whatever he asks for to bring him back, you do it. I did see some fans a little timid or a little upset at the uh, at the contract. He was given $14 million is, you know, nothing nothing to scoff at. Uh, I think he just paid the man whatever he wants. But Shane, what are your thoughts on, on that contract? One year, $14.25 million for Jason Kelsey to return to the team next season. Yeah, pay him whatever he wants. I don't care. What, is is that what's the uh who's the highest paid center in the league right now? Actually, like where does he rank as far as like oh he's still the highest paid? I'm sure. Yeah, probably. So I'll look it up here. But yeah, I I don't have a problem with that at all. <laughs> I think you pay him whatever he wants. He's he's the best center in the league. He's a weapon in the running game. The way the Eagles use him, um, it, you're you're in a Super Bowl window. You want this guy back if he wants to play and can play at a high level, and he definitely can. Yeah, part, part of me did think like, well, I mean, like he's kind of getting to the media side of things now. His podcast is doing well. Maybe he'll retire and just, you know, tell stories. But I think podcasts kind of do better while you're playing. People are anticipating to hear the stories during games, after games. 
And his new heights uh, uh, really took off during, during the season, especially when you have a guy as charismatic as uh, Travis Kelsey to do it with. So uh, I'm so excited to see Jason Kelsey uh, come back to the team. They're going to run it back uh, uh, along that offensive line with one new piece, probably uh, Cam Jurgens, And we'll see see how that goes. I think, Shane, the run it back theme is kind of what kind of took over this offseason. At one point, we were going to see a lot of new faces and now we're going to see uh, a lot of same faces come back and try to replicate the magic that they got uh, in, in 2022. And on the defensive side of the ball, uh, that that notion runs uh, range true with Brandon Graham coming back on a one year deal worth uh, worth six million dollars. So like you mentioned, you have one legend coming back on the offensive side of the ball and you're getting a fan favorite, one of the greatest Eagles uh, returning in 2023 on a one year deal as well. Yeah, loved Brandon Graham coming back. I always thought he would come back, uh, and I always thought it would probably be a pretty team-friendly deal. So uh, he had his best season last year in a decreased role, and I think you're going to see the Eagles try to do that again this season. They're going to try to coax as much out of him for as long as he wants to play, and we'll keep taking those deals. So uh, I thought he could have got more money somewhere else, but I'm glad he decided to come back to Philly because it would be hard to see him in color swaps. Yeah, I, from, from what I heard, Cleveland was uh, was pretty interested in Brandon Graham as well as Fletcher Cox. Now, Fletcher Cox got some some deals, uh, some pretty substantial offers uh, from from other teams. The Jets, uh, we heard, was one of them. And Fletcher Cox comes back on a one-year $10 million deal. I personally think Fletcher Cox should have retired two seasons ago. <laughs> now, I know he had seven sacks last year because he was part of that great uh, uh, defensive line. But, man, this guy just keeps coming back for one more, <laughs> one more, one more dance. So he returns. And essentially, a lot of people are saying, like, if you if you didn't want to match Chauncey Garner Johnson's one year, one year, eight million dollar deal, why would you give Fletcher one million or one year, 10 million? And I want to say that defensive tackle is a premium position, especially pass rushing ones. They're they're one of the more expensive players on the market. So I think that bringing back Fletcher for one million or one year, 10 million is a uh, not not a bad deal, especially when you already lost uh, Javon Hargrave. You're going to have to still fill in the middle of that D line somehow. Yeah the whole thing with Fletcher Cox, I mean, that comes down to timing uh, as well. They were already committed Mm -hmm. to Fletcher Cox before the Chauncey Gardner Johnson thing happened, but I wasn't a fan of it. Um, He, his play is not worth $10 million a year. Uh, That was not, they, they represented that as a hometown discount. That was not a hometown discount. He's not a $10 million a year player Uh, at this stage in his career. Fletcher Cox has no, no interest whatsoever in playing the run. Uh, he just wants to rush the passer, which right. is problematic when you have Nicobe Dean is going to be a starting linebacker, a guy who is fifth percentile height, 14th percentile weight. And by the guy, by the way, the guy they just signed from the bears, Nicholas Morrow, he is fifth percentile height and 11th percentile weight. So we're, we're talking two very small linebackers and then you're going to pay Fletcher Cox $10 million to be a defensive tackle that doesn't want to play in the running game. So I thought it was an overinvestment. I didn't think they should have paid that much. Um, I think it ultimately cost them the ability to match Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And we talked earlier, it might not have just been about the money to be able to. That might have been burned bridges. But at the end of the day, Fletcher Cox was going to cost $6 million against the cap this year if they let him go. And now he costs 5.7 against the cap this year since they re-signed him. So uh, they actually end up saving a little bit of money now. Next year, when he's not on the roster, he's going to count for $14 million against the cap. And so they're just continuing to kick that money out into the future. But 
I really do think they're they're just pushing the chips in for one more shot to win a Super Bowl before Jalen Hurts contract extension hits. So uh, I don't think it was the wisest allocation of resources, but I get it. I get what they're going for there. And it does make defensive tackle not as huge of a need to where you're pigeonholed into that in this year's draft. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely going to be the theme is they try to get back to, to the Super Bowl. They've made it evident that uh, that's that's going to be the goal in, in 2023. And another move that made that even more of a reality was bringing back two of your premier corners from a season ago that contributed to the number one passing defense in the NFL and James Bradbury and Darius Slay. Now, Shane, to our knowledge, we, we've said this already, that CJ was the priority early in free agency once he rejected the deal went us went on the market to to see what else was going on the Eagles said we can't sit on our hands we got to do something so they pivot and bring back a guy who we thought was all but gone in free agency and James Bradbury I would have bet any of thing I we didn't but I would have bet any amount of money that CJ was back and James Bradbury was going to be on a new a new team next season that has flipped CJ is now with a new team and James Bradbury is going to be back here along with Darius Slay for at least the next two seasons, I believe, the way the structures are set up anyway. But James Bradbury signs a three-year deal with $38 million to come back and be uh, another corner who for me, for maybe about 12 hours was cornerback one in this, in this city before Darius Slay. Basically, they said they were going to release him. So the story is basically, I need. I want to say that, that the number that Darius Slay was going to be paid this year. The $17 million, I think, was his guaranteed base salary this season. I think he went to Howie and was like, this number's not high enough because this is what you guys were going to pay me when you thought I was going to be bad when you initially signed me and when you traded for me and signed me. So I need more money now because I'm still good. So then they they try to work it out. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out. And they're, they're going to part ways. This is the story. They're going to part ways. And Darius Slay is going to go out to the open market. He tweeted it. His wife tweeted it, who's very active in the Eagles community as well. And Darius Slay is not going to be an Eagle. This is just what was going to happen. Four o'clock rolls around, and there's no announcement. There's no transaction. There's nothing on the wire about Darius Slay becoming a free agent. So as Eagles Twitter does, we're all speculating. We're all sitting here like, maybe maybe they'll pull a Fletcher Cox like he did last year. He was on the free agent market just to come back and re-sign. And lo and behold, they come back. They work it out. They restructure his deal. And now Darius Slay's here on a two-year extension for uh, $42 million. So, Shane, at one point, we thought we weren't going to have either corner. We thought we were just, this isn't going to happen. We're not going to have Bradbury's going to go somewhere else because the Slay release came before the Bradbury signing, I believe, I think is what happened. So I, I think, I actually, I think we knew about Bradbury before the Slay stuff started. Mm. Yeah, I might be to. getting the chronology messed up, but I remember being like, oh, both corners are going to be back. Awesome. <sighs> and then it was like an hour later. They're like, yeah, Slay's going to get released. You're right. Nope. You're right. Because I okay. remember tweeting when the Slay release, I remember tweeting like the Slay release in St. James Bradbury is the new CB1 in Philadelphia. So we definitely knew at that point. But at one, at one point, we weren't sure if we were going to have either cornerback, and now we have both. So, uh, you know, at least safety woes aside, linebacker woes for the time being aside, you have two premier corners that are, are going to be good, man. You hope for at least the next season they're older. James Bradbury will be 30. Darius Slay is going to be 33, 33 in December. Shane, who I think Patrick Peterson is like the only cornerback like around that age who was like somewhat good and still in the league. Like, I don't know what the track record is. It can't be that great for cornerbacks producing at a at a top tier rate at 32, 33 years old. But we got to pray that Slay's, uh, Slay's feet are going to keep up with him in 2023. But albeit a good move, you can't say. Uh, it's 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 a terrible move to have both these guys back next year. Yeah, so contract just to get into the, yeah, wild the numbers. world of contract structure. So you mentioned seventeen million was Slay's salary. That was the original number, right? 
Yeah, that that was before the extension. His right, base right. salary now is one point one million, but he's happy. Why is he happy? Because he got a lot more money, and so that just goes back to our point earlier about Chauncey Gardner Johnson's agent tweeting things and like it just it's it's misrepresentations. Like on paper, Darius Slay's salary dropped by sixteen million. Why would he be okay with that? Well, because he got a massive signing bonus that they are allowed to spread out over the four void years that they tacked on to the end of this contract. And so um, essentially before this, even that 17 million isn't the important number from the team's perspective. What's important is that he was going to count against the cap for $26 million in 2023. And so they came to him and they said, hey, Slay, uh, we can't afford for you to make $26 million this year. And he's like, well, actually, that's funny you mentioned that because I actually want to make more because I think I've been a better player than that. And so it was a little bit of a game of chicken where the Eagles couldn't afford to cut him because if they cut him, all of that dead money is going to escalate onto the first year of the contract. So they, they would have saved $3 million, but they would have been paying $22.5 million for a guy that's no longer on the roster. That's obviously not ideal in a Super Bowl window. So Darius Slay wants an extension. He says, hey, we can change this contract but you're going to give me a bigger, you're going to give me more money over more years. If we do it, I'm not just doing you a favor here. And the Eagles rightly didn't want to do that. And so they told him, why don't you go shop the market? And they let the market break his heart and tell him nobody was going to give him that. And so they come back to the table and they work something out. And so uh, his cap number drops from 26 million to 11 million for this year, 11 million next year, 14 million in 2025. And then a whopping $27 million dead cap hit in 2026 when that contract collapses. So um, I think they both did the right thing here. They went through that process the right way. They end up working things out. Um, That said, committing large money to corners over 30 is a scary proposition. And now the Eagles are tied to Darius Slay through his age 34 season, and they're tied to James Bradbury through his age 32 season. So uh, I think cornerback's still a big need, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles address it in the first round to get some depth in behind them, some guys to develop. It's interesting you, you say that because I was having a back and forth with some uh, Eagles fans on Twitter when I had said I thought that bringing back Slate and Bradbury all but – I don't think it all but uh, abolished them taking the a corner in the first round. But then when they went ahead and signed Greedy Williams, I was like, well, that's that. Whoever is a Devin Witherspoon fan or a Christian Gonzalez fan or a Joey Porter Jr. fan, I have some news for you because now they have two of these spots on 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 extended contracts and you just brought in Greedy Williams, albeit a one-year deal, but maybe a guy that they can hope shape and mold and can kind of have a resurgence um, from, from his uh, good seasons in Cleveland. Uh, so, I, man, if they still take one, in the first round, I'd be I'd be pretty stunned because I feel like they did this so that they can enrich the trenches <laughs> in the first round. But I'm a big Devin Witherspoon fan, so if they if they find a way to still get him amongst all this and have him learn from one of the two better corners in the NFL, uh, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be upset about it. But I do think their chances of doing so, I th- I still think it was 50-50 even beforehand. But now that they have both of these guys, I have a hard time wrapping my mind about them potentially taking one. Certainly at ten, but maybe they'll do it at thirty. Yeah. Uh- Greedy Williams, I like getting him. He he had a lot of tools. He never put it together. He's been injured some. Usually when those guys that are so toolsy don't work out, they just don't work out. Mm. But to bring him in on a one-year deal, that gives you a little bit of that depth. But at the end of the day, it's still a one-year deal. Like If he plays good this year, he's going to want a contract. And the Eagles aren't going to be able to afford to really sign a guy to another corner to a big deal. So that's why I do still think that so, so much about 
drafting is about managing your salary cap too. It's the same thing with same thing with like, I've been talking about drafting a receiver on Twitter and I've had Eagles fans push back and they're like, they've got two wide receiver ones and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Why would they spend a first round pick and like a trade back on Jackson Smith and Jigba to play in the slot? And like, well, because non Devonta Smith and AJ Brown receivers had 70 receptions last year and they were largely wastes. And they talk about, well, how are you going to pay AJ Brown and Devonta Smith along with him? Just go sign a vet. And I'm like, well, that's a problem for 2027. Cause part of drafting a guy is that you get cost controlled production for four to five years, depending on if they're a first or later round pick. And so you can lock him into a five-year deal and you can worry about paying him in 2027. And by then AJ Brown is 30 plus years old. And so you probably don't want to sign him to a big deal. A lot of times it's cheaper to draft a guy than to go get a vet at a free agency is what it ultimately comes down to. And so you think about cornerback and the money they're investing in Slay and Bradbury. Williams is a good depth guy. If he plays well this year, he's going to want to get paid more than you would be paying a first round pick at corner. And so I do think that factors into it. That cost control uh, is a big part of the analysis when it comes to draft picks. Yeah, I think so as well. And they're gonna, definitely going to money wise, they're going to have to figure out if they're going to even trade back because like 10 round, 10, 10th overall selections get paid a decent chunk of money. So if they, if they feel like accounting wise, that man, we kind of have to move, move back so that we can afford these guys. And I certainly think that moving back in the draft will be at the uh, forefront of their minds as well. When the draft does approach, my camera died, but we'll we'll keep it moving. <laughs> um, one last guy that they did bring back, a familiar face, a guy that I'm trying to figure out. Well, I guess I know why we keep bringing him back, but man, Boston Scott just finds a way to stick around on this roster. One-year deal, $2 million contract. Shane, if I told you heading into 2023 that Boston Scott makes the most money on the running back death chart, what would your reaction be? <laughs> I'd say the Eagles must be worried about the Giants in the division. They want to yeah. make sure they're good for the Giants game. Yeah, it's um, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with bringing Scott back. When you let Miles Sanders walk, you bring in Rashad Penny, who's injury prone. Like you want another guy you feel confident about. That's obviously not Trey Sermon. I would think they would. I would think they would look to a day two or day three running back in the draft as well. But that's a pretty small deal. Uh, I, I don't have a problem bringing Boston Scott back on that just for a solid running back three given that running back two is kind of a scat back and your new running back one's a pretty injury prone guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely going to contribute to it, but heading in there with a, uh, with a with the running back rotation of Boston Scott, who makes 1.5, uh, 1.85 million. As far as his base salary is concerned with shot penny, 1.35 million, Trey Sermon, 1.1 million somehow. And Kenneth Gainwell making $940,000. The total salary for that running back rotation is $5.2 million. Miles Sanders' new deal is for $6.25 million per year. So you know where uh, how his priorities are. It's definitely not running back. But as far as running back is concerned, talking about the new guys that they have brought in, Rashad Penny, I think, is good value because I think that he is he might be the definition of boom or bust as far as as far as signings go, because he's an explosive, explosive runner when healthy, and especially running through contact. I think that Rashad Penny can add another element to the Eagles offense, especially behind this offensive line he had subpar blocking in seattle when he was going nuts i think behind this offensive line if he can stay upright for 12 games he has a good chance to to lead the league in rushing i think (laughs) yeah absolutely um rashad penny is he is such a talented runner and he's been so banged up and obviously that's a big deal he broke his broke his leg last year now fortunately he did it early in the season 
Yeah, it's a tough injury. Fortunately, he did it early in the season, so he's had a lot of time to recover. Fortunately, fortunately. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately for, I guess, us, not him. But I, I think it's a good signing. Over the last two years, he's led the NFL in yards per carry after contact at 4.43. Um, That's astounding. And, and he did it behind a not very good offensive line. Uh, he's good in pass protection. Uh, okay, I wouldn't say he's good in pass protection. He's a better pass protector than Miles Sanders. It's better than what we have. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think he helps out a little bit there. Now, Seattle did use a lot of pass protecting backs, so they started taking him off the field in those situations. But um, this was a fun thought experiment I did, and this isn't like good analysis you can actually use. But if you take his yards per carry after contact, 4.43 over the last two years, and you take Miles Sanders' yards per carry before contract, which was fourth in the league last year at 3.2, if you combine those, you get 7.6 yards per carry, which has never been reached by any running back in the Super Bowl era. Um, Now, obviously, you can't do that. That's not how statistics work. But just a thought experiment of, how maddening it was sometimes for Miles Sanders to dance behind the line and not hit his hole and go. Uh, you're not having that with Rashad Penny. And so now you've got this guy who puts his head down and he goes, and he's running behind an offensive line that afforded Miles Sanders the fourth most yards per contact before, or yards per carry before contract. And now you've got this guy that's a threat to break out after contact too. Like if Rashad Penny stays healthy, he will easily lead the NFL in rushing yards next year. Easy. It won't even be close. Yeah, I think I think so. To end his 2021 season, four of the final five games Rashad Penny played in, he rushed for over 135 yards. I remember when he was going, going, going electric that season. I also remember Ronald Darby bouncing off of him en route to the end zone <laughs> in that game. So I definitely have some, uh, some not-so-fond memories as an Eagles fan of Rashad Penny. Uh, run, running all over the place so yeah the injuries have been tough they have been tough the medical staff has uh, got their work cut out for him as far as uh, injuries are concerned you got Rashad Penny who's who's has a hard time staying on the field you have Marcus Mariota who whose shoulder is banged up all over the place you're gonna have to figure out how you're going to uh, keep these guys healthy because last year's like we mentioned last year's uh, uh, health-wise I don't, I don't know if we're going to repeat that we got extremely lucky which is why the Super Bowl loss it's still so hard to swallow at times because you're not going to get that kind of luck as far as injuries are concerned every year. But if, if like we said, if Rashad Penny stays upright, 12, 13 games, he's going to have rushed for 1,400 yards. And I'm excited to see what he could do with uh, with Jalen Hurts. Shane, as far as the backup quarterback is concerned, a prophecy eight years in the making. We all knew it was going to happen at some point, just not in the year <laughs> that we wanted it to. And I know Chip Kelly is somewhere. Somewhere thinking like they finally got their guy. It just wasn't me that did it. But Marcus Mariota signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe the contract is at five million. Is it five? Let me find it. Yeah, find it. it was five or five point five. But yeah, yeah, I definitely remember remember the five. It is a one year deal. Yep, five point oh million dollar contract. So the Eagles get their backup, a guy who can potentially run the offense, the RPA, the RPO style. I'm not going to say a little better, much better than uh, the, the Gardner Minshew ever could. So for whatever reason. Jalen Hurts is unavailable for a certain amount of time. Mariota will be the guy to step in. There is something to be said about, like, obviously it's all rumors. I can't confirm, but uh, Mariota took his ball and went home after he was benched for Desmond Ritter last season. I don't know the full details of that, but from the people I've spoke to that have been around that organization, Mariota seems like a, a stand-up guy. Seems like he's eager to coach Jalen Hurts what he knows, and he'll 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 he doesn't make many exciting plays, but I think he'll be functional enough 
to where if Jalen Hurts has to miss like four games, I think he can I think he can go 500 in those games if he had to start. Yeah, so much of their offense is built on RPOs and read options. And you saw when Gardner Minshew played that it wasn't mm-hmm. respected at all. And so Throughout the playbook. Game just, yeah, it just died. <laughs> and so now you don't have to reinvent your playbook if Jalen Hurts has to miss a game. My, uh, he can Marcus Mariota can largely do the same things. Now, he doesn't have the arm to take the vertical shots necessarily that Hurts does. He's not as good of a runner of Hurts, but he's the same archetype. And so you can keep your same... Uh, you can keep your same playbook, which is huge. Uh, obviously, he's got some injury concerns, so you're going to be hesitant to run him 15 times in a game if if Hertz is out for an extended period. But the threat of him running, uh, he gives you just enough juice as a runner that you don't have to change everything. So I think it's a good signing. Mm-hmm. Rushed for over 400 yards last year and four touchdowns, so certainly a threat uh, with his legs. So we knew that the, the options were limited. Teddy Bridgewater, Mariota, those were some guys out there. They get their guy much after the 2015 craze of it, or many years after the 2015 craze of do the deal and all of that. Shane, I don't know what, how extensive of a Eagle, like how extensive your Eagles coverage was if you were a fan back then or what the, or what the story is. But do you remember, do you remember a lot of the, uh, of the madness that was going on with, uh, with, with Marcus Mariota? I had finally, I just didn't want to see Sam Bradford, but I was firmly on the fence of send whatever you need to, to get this guy in Philadelphia, Chip Kelly, Marcus Mariota. They're going to light this league up. Bradford Cox, Brandon Boykin at the time, 14 first round picks. I don't care what you have to do, but I was definitely eager to watch that draft and see the Eagles get their guy. And they obviously stayed put and drafted Aguilar with 20. And then, yeah, that's all she wrote. But uh, where were you? If, if at all on the, on the Marcus Mariota, like which side of the fence were you on for that? Yeah, I, I was not into the, analysis aspect at that point in time but I was I was excited by Chip Kelly I wanted him to have his quarterback and I'd watch Marcus Mariota and Chip Kelly at Oregon and so I kind of felt like it was a match made in heaven and then when the the price tag started coming out I was like oh man I don't know I was Um, all about it send it (laughs) yeah I I was I would have been happy about it if it had happened back in an alternate universe where it happened Chip Kelly might still be the Eagles coach and Fletcher Cox might've just signed a one year deal with the Eagles this off season and free agency to, to come back home. Who knows, who knows how things would have played out in an alternate universe. Hey man, if it, and, and, and another time, like you mentioned, alternate universe, if, if Mariota is drafted here, do the Eagles win a Super Bowl? Cause then that probably means you don't draft Carson Wentz the next year. And that whole story, like, do you, do you, do the Eagles have a Super Bowl if that happens? There's so many contributing factors to that scenario that who knows where we would be today if, if that does uh, go down. But we, you know, we kind of know he was fired the next year. DeMarco Murray didn't work out. Bradford didn't work out. Yeah, not, not flood times as far as Eagles fans are concerned, but he's here now. That's all that matters. So <laughs> let's hope we don't have to see too much of him unless it's in the fourth quarter of a blowout. So let's all hope, hope that's the case. The last two signings we will cover. Uh, before we get up out of here, <laughs> two very obvious holes on the defense, safety and linebacker. The Eagles are going to do their best to patch those up with Band-Aids. It's what we call them. We got safety Justin Evans, who was uh, formerly on the Saints. He signs a one-year deal. And linebacker Nicholas Morrow on the Bears last year also signed a one-year deal. Shane, any hope for these uh, <laughs> either of these guys to attempt to fill the void left by uh, – Garner Johnson, Marcus Epps, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards. You got to replace those bodies somehow. And the Eagles are going to attempt to do so, apparently, with Nicholas Morrow and uh, and Justin Evans. Any hope there for either of these guys to, to stick on the roster in September? 
Uh, I mean, I think, yes, I think they'll probably both make the roster. I think Justin Evans would be over Kavon Wallace. And even if he's not, that's still your third safety. Not a high bar to clear. <laughs> yeah. And then Nicholas Morrow, he's a tackle machine and people are going to trick themselves into thinking that he's a great mm-hmm. player, just like they did with TJ Edwards, who also gets a lot of tackles. Hey, Alex Singleton was a tackle machine. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's an impact player. I, I worry about his size next to Nicobe Dean, but he at least gives you something. Uh, it's not a good linebacker class, so you don't want to be going into the draft with a huge need at linebacker. Uh, there is not good linebackers to be had early in the draft. So I think they both make sense. I think they're both low risk. I think at the end of the day, they probably both make the roster. Yeah, I think I think Morrow had uh, had over 100 tackles last year, played in every single snap, which is important. He missed the entire 2021 campaign with the ankle injury, came back with the Bears, played in every single game, played in every snap. So he was essentially the Iron Man for them, which is good to see. So if you go into uh, next year with Nicholas Morrow and N'Kobe Dean as your linebackers, I mean, I guess you could do worse, but Nicholas Morrow allowed 101.8 passer rating when targeted last year. So not not much there as far as pass coverage is concerned, but I consider N'Kobe a good coverage linebacker. So maybe they can kind of, uh, you know, equal themselves out on that front. Don't know a whole, much, whole lot about Justin Evans, but we expected them to make a move at safety. Some good names still out there. Well, I don't know, good serviceable names. Adrian Amos, Taylor Rapp, uh, some other names out there that the Eagles could potentially look into. Kevin Byard is the big one, though, from Tennessee. Apparently, they're at odds end, similarly to A.J. Brown. The Titans approached Kevin Byard on a pay cut. Kevin Byard said, I'm very good at my job. I don't think I should take a pay cut. Why are you approaching me with this? I'm a former two-time All-Pro. I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I don't. I don't think it's realistic that the Eagles go ahead and rob the Titans two seasons in a row and nab Kevin Byard. But man, is there a chance? Hey, formerly from Philly, he uh, danced on the star. He did the whole bit. So, I mean, is there is there a chance, Shane? Is there a chance that they could pull? pull? Uh, he is 30 years old, but is there a chance they could pull an all-pro safety out of Tennessee and, and get another contributor for the second season in a row? I mean, I think that there's always a chance at Tennessee obviously botched last off season. Maybe they will do a different it owner now, different this off season. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine if they trade him and then he gets like two picks when the Eagles play the Titans mm-hmm. and Dan, you know, dances on the Titans logo and all that sort of stuff. And then you get another GM fired like two days later, that would be kind of hilarious. But I, I think it's unlikely. I would be all for it though. Again, the Eagles are pushing their chips in right now and, he would be a huge addition on the back end of that secondary to help out. So I'm all for it. I think it's probably not likely. I'll give it like a 15% chance. Yeah, I'm I'm about 20. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think it really happens. I don't think Howie goes into that uh and and acquires him for his price either. Um especially if you weren't you know, going to my CJ's offer, which we've already mentioned, maybe money wasn't the factor there, but uh, definitely fun to, to, to armchair fantasize about <laughs> these guys coming in here, making an impact and helping the Eagles to uh Super Bowl. So that about covers everything. I know that was a lot as far as free agency is concerned. Shane, any faces we missed, any aspects we missed, anything in free agency is concerned that, uh, that we didn't mention that you would like to, uh, to, to cover here before we wrap this up. No, I think I think we've pretty well covered it. Uh, <laughs> mar- marathon podcast over about the off season here. Yeah, I think we yeah. about hit it all. Yeah, other pods like had them out every single day covering stuff, and I was like, man, I don't think I got it in me. I'm on here every day to talk about everything that happens because the minute you put it out, it's outdated. Something else already happened. So at least yeah. Well, and I want to see the end. I want to see the full picture too. Like 
And if I'd done if I'd done a podcast right after the Bradbury resigning and that Slay news coming out, I was like, yeah, okay, they're making Bradbury CB one, Slay's leaving, and then immediately that doesn't happen. So it's nice to see like the whole picture of what they were trying to do. Uh, if I had done one right after TJ Edwards signed, I would have said, I don't know why the Eagles didn't match that deal. That's not very expensive, but then they're able to bring Slay back and other things. So it all kind of feeds off of each other. That's why I kind of wanted to wait until we got a more complete picture from that yeah, first yeah, wave. Yeah. You don't want to be outdated two hours after the fact. That's, 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 that's the worst, especially when it comes with a sports news. So I'll, so before we do, I'll give my favorite, my least favorite move of the off season, my favorite move to this point, and then my overall grade. So my least favorite move, as we all know, is letting CJ walk. Just because for the for the things I've already mentioned, 25 years old, position of need, um, could have locked him up long term. There's not a lot of young bodies um, on the, on that defense right now. Yeah, I think it would have been essential to lock one of them up at a, at a position of need for the foreseeable future. But maybe his attitude, maybe the way it was handled, maybe his agent had soured the relationship. We don't know fully what the picture is there, but I'm I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I enjoyed watching him a lot. My favorite move of the offseason to this point. I'm going to say James Bradbury because he was another guy that I was it was going to be really tough for me to let him walk. And to, to not only have Darius Slay back, but to have him back as well. I know the age is a big thing and we got to hope their bodies can hold up. But man, they were one of the best duos in the, in all of the league last year. They were they were the only duo to have I forget the exact digits. I think it was like to have 20 plus pass breakups and three interceptions each or something like that. When you're the only duo that can put up numbers like that. I think that builds well. It's kind of hard not to bring guys like that back. But on the contrary, Howie is really good about getting rid of players the year before the decline. So even if Slay did go elsewhere, I would have understood. And now fans are saying you picked, you essentially picked Slay over CJ Gardner-Johnson. I wouldn't look at it like that, but this is kind of where we're at money-wise. But I think Bradbury is very, very good, even though I, I'm a big fan of this uh, cornerback class but i think bradbury is a good player he doesn't make he not a lot of drama you can say he's all about ball handles himself the right way and I, i'm going to be excited to watch him for the next few years in in philadelphia i will give this offseason grade a b plus thus far would have been a, would have been an a if they could keep cj but i'll give them a p plus to this point actually lower that to a b minus b minus <laughs> All right. Yeah, I would say my favorite move is Rashad Penny. I think it's such a home run swing that didn't mm-hmm. cost you much of anything. Um, so if he stays healthy, that's going to be a fantastic signing. And if he doesn't, it only costs you a little over a million. Uh, my least favorite move was bringing back Fletcher Cox. Um, I understand why they did it. They lowered actually lowered his cap hit, but it's kicking things into the future for a player that I just don't think was that good over the last couple seasons. But they're pushing their chips in. So we'll see what happens. And uh, overall, I, I would go about a B plus. I think it's been a, I think it's been a good off season. They just need to land the plane now filling out the roster and nail the draft. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. And extend Jalen hurts when that, I, I, I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> we haven't heard a peep about it since, but that extension has to be on the horizon. Get ahead of Joe Burrow, get ahead of Justin Herbert, get ahead of Lamar, whenever, whatever's happening with Lamar Jackson, get ahead of that too. pay your man and get into the draft and then finish out the roster in the summertime, how he always does. There'll be some blockbuster move at the end of August that'll solidify this roster, and I'm eager to see everything that happens between now and then. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure to subscribe on all pod platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple, iHeartRadio, wherever it is you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe. Leave those five-star reviews. Each and every one does help with exposure of BGN. 
Radio. Shane, let everybody know where they can catch you and the content. I've even lost count of what you're doing on YouTube these days, but let everybody know what's going on for the draft and the off season and where they can catch uh, all of your projects. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. I'm on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Um, obviously, I'm on the BGN Draft Pod, so check that out. Um, I will be start. I'm finishing stacking my big board, and I'm going to start releasing videos for my. Uh, I haven't decided if it's top 75 or top 100 yet next week, but I have videos coming out every week detailing like 10 players at a time. So, uh, with highlight reels and all that, so you guys can go check that out on my YouTube. Yes, sir. Be sure to go ahead and check that out. If you uh, you know, want to learn more about just the general game of football and who to look out for in the draft, who you should root for the Eagles to draft and to pick your uh, your draft crushes and your draft gems, be sure to go ahead and check those out. How many people are on that big board? Is it 100? Um, yeah, it'll, I'll, I'll have – I'm finishing up wide receivers right now, and I'll have like 105, but there's a few guys I want to go back and get reports up for. Uh, so I haven't decided if I'm going to commit to the – top 100 videos or mm. do like 75 but i think i'm going to do top 100 so it'd be like 20 prospects a week with the videos coming out the videos each prospect video is going to be 220 or less uh so i can post them straight to twitter on draft night but uh, i'll combine like my number 91 through 100 prospect and it'll be like a 20 minute youtube video so that's kind of what i'm thinking uh i've been working on it a lot there hasn't been a lot on my youtube because i've been watching a lot of film writing reports but i'm excited to start getting stuff put out again yeah that'll that'll certainly be <laughs> something to keep on i'm actually writing up my first uh eagles only mock draft uh this week as I, I waited till after all the free agency was over so that we could really get a clear picture on who the needs are going to be what the eagles uh approach is going to be so eager uh, uh to write that you guys can catch that at thelibertyline.com. I'm Victor Williams. Be sure to follow everything over at the Philly Pod. We will catch you guys when the next news drop. Who knows these days? You got to stay up 24 hours to keep up with whatever the Eagles are doing. And potentially we'll go over our uh, favorite draft prospects. Maybe we'll do a mock draft, something coming up in the uh, coming weeks. But thank you guys for checking this out. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out from the BGM Podcast. Go Birds. <laughs>